right, everybody, welcome back to another video here on Financial Friends. Today, we're going to be discussing everything that has happened this week in finance that I have found notable. If you are listening to this on a podcast form, thank you very much for tuning in. I do hope you appreciate it. If you're listening to this on YouTube or watching it rather on YouTube, thank you very much for tuning in as well. This is Financial Friends, a community of people who love business, finance, and investing. So hit subscribe, hit follow, hit like, comment, whatever you can do on whatever platform you're listening to this. Go ahead and interact. That is what this is all about, the community. Let's go ahead and dive into some of my thoughts on the news that has happened this week in finance. All right, number one, we're going to start off talking FedEx. So FedEx had some pretty bad earnings. And what this does, or or what it means rather, is it's signaling a potential weakening in the U.S. economy. This has been something that's been going on now for pretty much the last year. Um, we've been discussing a weakening economy, the potential of recession, the inevitable recession, the recession we are in, depending on who you're talking to, um, which technically I'm of that camp that we've kind of fell into recession. Either way, a really bad miss on earnings by FedEx. You can see here a 33.08% EPS miss and a 1.36% revenue miss. Now, this, of course, follows a miss on EPS in Q3 2022, a miss of Q4 on both ends, and then now again, Q1 2023, or for their fiscal year, um, another miss. $3.44 of EPS versus the $5.14 expected, um, and a slight miss on revenue that's not too relevant. Now, why is this important? Why does this signal some negative things? Well, it signals some negative things because you have to remember a very large percentage, I believe it's 70 to 75% of the GDP here in the United States is made up of consumer spending. What does FedEx do? They ship packages. What do people order? Things in packages. And so when you start to see this decline, and it could also be business-to-business type of transactions too. Now, that's not consumer, but business-to-business style transactions are going to be on the down low or on the decline if spending in general is lower. You think of a credit union that I, I currently work at a credit union. We use FedEx to ship you know, loan papers or documents or overnight things. Well, if people are not coming in to collect loans to then go out and spend as a consumer, we're not using FedEx as much either. So this rapid or very sharp decline in FedEx's earnings is a potential telltale sign or bellwether for the economy that things are not moving in the proper direction. Now, the company did come out to say, look, we're going to fix this. We're going to try and fix our company, at least, um, maybe not the macroeconomic space, but we're going to increase express ground and home delivery rates by an average of 6.9%. We're expecting to save 2.2 to $2.27 billion in fiscal 2023. We're making some changes. We're closing locations. Um, we're deferring projects. We're doing everything we can possibly do to save some money. Now, that's important on a company perspective, but again, why we're more interested in this is the potential for a bleak outlook for the entire economy because FedEx shows that people might not be spending as much. Now, we're seeing this as well. We're seeing these cost-cutting effects go into effect in other places. Meta or Facebook is doing this as well and is looking to cut costs by 10% over the next few months. Now, of course, this is probably going to include some layoffs as well as some reorganization and some other different things within the business. And 
I'm touching on this more because I always talk about Mark Zuckerberg, his views, his outlook, the 180 from a business that was very, you know, social in nature and trying to collect as many people as possible. And now you're, I shouldn't say 180, but you're, you're changing direction and you're moving into this metaverse an alternate reality, a different space that you just haven't operated in before. And it makes it very difficult in a tight macroeconomic environment to make that type of transition. Now, of course, Facebook produces a ton of cash. Instagram, I'm sure, produces a ton of cash. I mean, they're advertising machine, but you're trying to change into an area that just isn't ready for that change. Meta executives have said it could take up to 15 years to fully realize the vision that Mark Zuckerberg has. And that's a key statement. Mark Zuckerberg has. Mark Zuckerberg is the one, at least people kind of like to speculate, that is making this big metaverse push. Now he's saying things are happening sooner than expected and we're moving in a great direction, but I just still want to comment on the fact that it could take 15 years, so we're clearly not ready for it. Now, of course, Mark Zuckerberg being the person who had this big onset of social media and Facebook and was this big up-and-coming entrepreneur and changed the way that we interact and all of this stuff, he is going to try to change the way we interact again. It's in his nature. It's in his blood. He wants to, I'm sure his ego is probably telling him, be that guy again. Be the one that made this bold predicted change. And I have written here on my iPad and my notes, he's either trying for the next huge thing for the second time, or he's just reaching for it. He's either assuming it's going to happen and he's trying to be predictive in nature, or he is trying to force it upon people and create something that wasn't naturally going to arc in the way that it has. And I think it's the latter. I think he's reaching. I don't think this has the capability to be everything and all of that. And instead, I do feel it's going to be more of a gaming for fun entertainment thing. Now, speaking more to meta, This, again, is another signal that the U.S. economy is slowly starting to weaken. Meta is primarily driven by advertising, like I mentioned, Instagram and Facebook um, primarily. When you have a decrease in advertising spend, it means that businesses or companies do not have as much money to continue to spend to push in more people. Whether they think they're not going to be able to track those people, regardless of how much they spend on ads, or they just don't have the money to spend on ads, Either way, it's not a fantastic look for the larger economy. Mark Zuckerberg has lost a lot of money as a result of this. Meta is going through this transitory period. They're trying to alter the way that they look. Advertising spending is expected to go down, and so Meta is probably going to make a little bit less money, and they didn't have good earnings last time, and now he's lost $71 billion of his own personal net worth. I'm sorry. He, I mean, he's still the 20th richest person in the world, but nonetheless, losing $71 billion cannot be good. Now, hard times don't just stop with these cost-cutting measures or these big earning misses. Instead, Ford managed to incur $1 billion in unexpected costs due to supply chain issues in a quarter. So that means they made a mistake to the tune of $333 million a month on their supply chain. Now, 
I don't even know where to start. Of course, they're going to try and restructure this. They're hiring a new supply, or chief supply chain officer. The CFO is going to kind of help create that position and run that for the time being. And they do have, and I'm missing here, the vice president of supply chain currently, Jonathan Jennings. But they need someone to continue to run this and be in charge of this. Now, we've heard that supply chain issues have ran rampant over the course of the entire pandemic and now moving into kind of post-pandemic time, at least according to our president. What is going on? I don't know. We keep hearing, oh, supply chain quarrels. They're going to kind of cool down over time. $1 billion is a lot of money to make a mistake on. $1 billion. It's not like, oh, like we missed by 30 million or we underestimated by 100 million or 200 million or 300 million or 400 or 500 million. No, we messed up by $333 million for three straight months in a row. It's a lot of money. I just don't understand what's going on out there um, because it's either Ford's mistake and they then desperately need someone to be in charge of this, or the landscape is just that poor. And if the landscape is just that poor, and we're putting ourselves as a country, as an economy, into a position in which we hamper the ability to spend money on both consumers and as a result, businesses, then this is an even worse look. Because if the supply chain issues globally, um, and just within our country, within the United States, are not going to improve, we might not have the money flowing to improve them. Just putting that out there. Let's move forward. Next up here is the Federal Reserve. They're the people putting us in this worse off spot. Now, things need to be done because things need to be done. Inflation is still slowly creeping up, actually. Um, we expected it to fall it didn't fall month over month and is still at, I think, 8.1 or 8. No, 8.3%. We were expecting 8.1% year over year. That's terrible. So the Federal Reserve reacts and raises interest rates by yet another 0.75%. This puts us in the range of three, it's right here. I apologize, 3% to 3.25%. The expectation is another one5 25% increase by the end of the year. That would put us at about 4.25 to 4.5% on the interest rate. Now, the end rate of this rate hike cycle is 4.6%, or that's the intention of the Federal Reserve at this point. So the increase of 1.25% would put us at about 4.25 to 4.5% in 2023 or at the beginning of 2023. The expectation is that there would be no change in that until 2024, meaning that we will be in a semi-restrictive, higher rate environment, something we're not used to as a country and as an economy, um, for at least a year. Now, why are we doing this? This gets brought up every single time of, you know, why are we raising rates? We shouldn't be raising rates. We're not sure what's going on. Quite literally, the blunt answer is so that you, on the other side of this screen, can no longer afford to spend money. That's the point. Now, breaking that down and rolling it back, why do we want to do that? If you have money, 
and you can afford to continue to spend that money. Now, this is going to be, I'm going to preface this, this is going to be a very simple version of a very complicated topic, but putting it to you as simply as possible. If you have money to spend on products, that's great. You can buy that product. When the price of that product goes up 8% and you can still purchase the product, what does that tell the company or business creating that product so that you can afford it? So what can they afford to do if their costs are continuing to rise? They can increase the price of that product further, driving up inflation even more. And if you, the consumer, can still purchase that product, what will happen again, the price will continue to go up and businesses will continue to increase the price of that product until they find a point in which you can't afford it. That's basic economic supply and demand. That equilibrium point can be way too high for some people. People at the lower end of the income um, spectrum might not be able to afford those increases, but if others can, the price could still go up. So what the Federal Reserve is doing is saying, hey, your credit card rate, it's going up. The interest you have to pay on that, it's going up. If you have a variable rate mortgage, that rate's going up. You want to purchase a house at a fixed rate, that rate's now went up. Rates, interest rates to borrow money to acquire more capital are going up. And that means that you probably won't take out more debt. And you also are going to be disincentivized to take on more debt because your existing debt is going to be more expensive to pay off. And so if you don't have money to do that, some people are losing their jobs, meaning because businesses can't afford to continue to pay them, they need to cut costs. That means those people have to cut their costs and tighten their budgets because they no longer have an income. And that's sad to say, but the reality of the situation is that is when the economy works best because it's not going to be overheating anymore with people continuously being able to afford products. Now, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish that anybody can't afford anything. I don't wish that anybody have an interest rate on a loan that's too much and they can't afford it anymore. I don't wish that anybody would lose their job, but the nature of the actual facts is that that is how we accomplish a healthier from a overall overarching perspective economy. And that is what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is restore price stability, meaning that your products that you're trying to purchase at the grocery store, your rent, whatever it might be, is not going to continue on this spiral. And the longer that spiral goes and the faster it spins, the harder it is to stop spinning. That's why the Federal Reserve is being so aggressive in the moves they're making. Let's put all that macroeconomic, FedEx, Facebook meta, and interest rate hikes aside and talk about something a little more fun and interesting. That's going to be the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are going to be up for sale as the owner was involved in some not so good things. That's a topic for a different type of YouTube channel. We're more interested in the fact that he is selling the Phoenix Suns. Now, there have been some very rich valuations of NBA basketball teams, including the Suns, which is $1.8 billion last October 2021. Some other teams like the Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolves have sold for $1.66 billion and $1.5 billion. The names in the running for this potential team include some of the biggest business moguls that we have in the space, and that's why we're talking about this. Bob Iger, former Disney CEO, Amazon founder and ex-CEO Mr. Jeff Bezos himself, Oracle co-founder and past CEO Larry Ellison, um, as well as Loren Powell Jobs, who is the widow of obviously Steve Jobs. A lot of big names in the running. 
What do I personally expect to happen? I don't know. Seems like Jeff Bezos kind of on his honeymoon phase, doing all the things he likes to do now. He would probably be a prime suspect for this. Bob Iger would probably have to go in with someone else on this deal. Um, there's some notes down here, obviously. When you're worth $142 billion, Jeff Bezos, and $94.4 billion, Larry Ellison, you don't really need to go in to anybody else with this deal. Miss Jobs um, being at $13.6 billion, she probably doesn't need to go in on any on this deal with anybody, but Iger's worth about $690 million, at least back in 2019. He probably isn't going to buy a $1.8 billion basketball team with his entire net worth. Probably not a good investment. Um, and he seems to be interested in some other things, making other investments elsewhere in companies like Canva um, and some others. So I don't think that he's going to end up with this. Just doesn't seem like what he would do. I would see of these names, Jeff Bezos probably being the person to end up with this basketball team. Maybe Larry Ellison. Maybe they all kind of go in 50-50, 30-30. Um, you know, whatever the case may be. But I find this very, very interesting. This is something we're going to continue to keep an eye on because big business mogul names are in this. It's not, um, you know, some far off distant person we've never heard of or some sports icon, but instead it is people here within our finance world and community. Um, so obviously it has to do with money, $1.8 billion, and it has to do with big famous business moguls. It'll be t- discussed again on This Week in Finance at some point. Now, speaking of Jeff Bezos' company, this happened last Thursday night. There's another game this current Thursday night that I'm filming, the 22nd of September. By the time you watch this, that game will have been over. The Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. For anyone interested, comment your... Well, you can't really comment your predictions now. The game will have been over. Anyways, Amazon averaged 13 million viewers for its Thursday night football debut. Now, what is that? For those of you who don't know or don't watch football, Amazon Prime Video is now exclusively the exclusive carrier for NFL's Thursday night games through 2033. Wow, I almost said 2023. 2033, paying about a billion dollars every single year to do so. Why is that a big deal? Amazon can now drive all of this traffic to their platform. They're paying $1 billion for it. They can advertise for their own products. There was a lot of advertising for Audible on the first game, if anyone tuned in. Um, But very interesting. Averaged 13 million viewers for the first stream, which again happened last Thursday. That is more than the $8.84 million from the game that aired back in 2021 and was the most watched thing um, with or that night with CBS's Young Sheldon being in second place with only 3.5 million viewers. Now, of course, this is a very pretty penny. I'd be interested to see how over the long term the return on investment here kind of happens, but people from Amazon said by every measure, this is the head of uh, sports, by every measure, Thursday night football on Prime Video was a resounding success. They drove 13 million people to the platform. They had record amounts of signups of Prime between or right before the game and during the game. People obviously wanting to tune in to watch it. It's pretty good for Amazon. Um, I mean, and also having an exclusive game. There's one game on Thursday night. They only play one. Um, So everyone's going to be flocking to this one area because if you're a football fan and you want to watch football, it's not plentiful like it is on Sunday. Monday and Thursday are the other games that, that happen. And last Monday, we somehow got two games. I'm not sure how or why, but we did. Um, And Thursday, we get one. So if you're watching football, you want to be entertained that night with football, you're on Amazon. Now, I will say 13 million people is a lot of people. 
And clearly, for some individuals, including my own family and myself, had a little bit of difficulty watching this game. The feed was not good to begin with. I was able to get a better feed on my Apple TV than I was on my Prime Video Stick, or not my Prime Stick, Prime Video Stick, sorry, my Fire Stick, Amazon Fire Stick, which is a little odd to me. Why on a proprietary device I would get a worse connection could have to do with the way that I was in my house, the strengths of my TV. I don't really know. Either way, the feed was pretty rough. The audio was pretty rough. There's a lot of people on Twitter complaining in the beginning. I was able to get a good feed by the end of the game, but I'm sure among the 13 million people watching, a lot of those millions, maybe upwards of probably two, three, four, five million people probably had rough feeds. I mean, that's a complete guess on my end, but if I was having trouble and tens of thousands of people on Twitter were having trouble, I'm sure multiplied over the 13 million people that were watching, it was probably a pretty big number of people who just didn't say anything. Um, So I'll be interested to see tonight if that feed can get fixed. But nonetheless, this is looking very, very good for Amazon moving into the future, generating more interest about Prime Video, generating more interest about Prime as a whole, and building a bigger, more connected brand. So it's been everything for this week in finance. A lot of macroeconomic talk kind of uh, wound things down there with some Amazon talk and some sports talk. I hope you did enjoy this episode of This Week in Finance. If you did, hit that like button down below. If you're listening on Anchor, go ahead and support the podcast. Um, If you want to, follow it, share it, send it out to some friends. I really do appreciate all of your support. Hit subscribe if you are not already. We're on the road to 1,000 subscribers. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I'll see you all in the next one. Take care.